Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, leadership success secrets from women who have made it to the top. Former Fortune 500 executive and entrepreneur Deb Bolkus talks about the wisdom in her new book, Strong Suit. Also this morning, in the wake of multiple Norfolk Southern incidents over the past month, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown discusses legislation he has proposed with fellow Senator J.D. Vance to tighten safety regulations on the nation's railway operators and the reaction it has received in a divided Congress. And we have another collection of tasty and easy-to-make recipes straight from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 10th, 2023. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, um, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley uh, stepped into the treacherous political waters of Social Security reform this week. Did you hear about this? She is calling for a change in the retirement age for Americans who are now in their 20s and limiting benefits for wealthy Americans by changing the age Presumably, she means raising the retirement age. Certainly, you wouldn't lower it if you're looking to save money. Uh, current law entitles those born in 1960 or later to get their full benefits at age 67, but you can get reduced benefits as early as age 62. Uh, the last time the retirement age was raised was 1983, and Nikki Haley is uh, proposing raising that again. So that is probably the end of Nikki Haley's <laughs> presidential candidacy, don't you think? Um, it's, it's been a nice campaign, fun while it lasted, but uh, it was kind of interesting. I, now, this is a story that I saw on the Business Wire yesterday, and this is one of those things... That my my hot take on this, my initial take on this story is this is what happens when you open up the Pandora's box of legalized sports wagering. The World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, used to be World Wrestling Federation, World Wrestling Entertainment, is reportedly in talks with state regulators in New York to legalize betting on wrestling matches. Now, you and I both know, everyone knows, that these wrestling matches are scripted, right? And yet they want to open, open up legalized betting on wrestling matches for which the outcome is a foregone conclusion. CNBC reported earlier this week that WWE is talking with the regulators in Michigan and Colorado and is working with the Ernst & Young accounting firm in New York to make sure that the results of each match don't leak to the public. But you know, if there is big money involved, at some point, there will be a leak, there will be a scandal. Uh, the report said uh, wrestlers would not even know the outcome of each match until hours beforehand. Uh, WWE not commenting on the report. The Colorado Division of Gaming says, as of now, it is not considering allowing wagering on WWE matches. I Again, if you're going to open up sports wagering, 
I'm not surprised that WWE wants to get their cut, but you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Here's a, here's a thought. I'll just throw this out here. I know it's kind of a crazy, uh, crazy idea, but if you want to allow sports wagering, maybe don't script out the matches in advance. That's, you know, <laughs> just actually make it a legitimate sport. Let the chips fall where they may. Don't think that's going to happen either. So, so this was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, talk about the uh, stories, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. You know that fake news on social media platforms and the spread of misinformation has been a hot topic uh, over the past several years. Researchers analyzed 50,000 pairs of Twitter users. Okay, individuals who followed each other on Twitter, presumably people that knew each other, followed each other uh, on Twitter. They wanted to find out why is it that we share misinformation, especially when we know that it's misinformation or that it's likely fake news. Uh, Basically, they analyzed 50,000 pairs of Twitter users and the fake or politically biased information they shared between August and December of 2020. And what they found is that users were less likely to socialize with one another if one did not share the fake news posted by the other. Those who were more concerned about fitting in were more likely to share a friend's fake news posts. This was true, by the way, for those both on the right and the left politically, because this is an issue on both sides. Political ideology alone does not explain people's tendency to share fake news within their social groups, according to researcher Matthew Asher Lawson. He goes on to say there are many factors at play, but it boils down to the very basic desire to fit in and not be excluded. So apparently we're back in middle school again. That's that's how you can explain the fake news phenomena. <laughs> Is that in the in the end we just want to fit in. We just want to be accepted. Yeah. We never really lose <laughs> that desire from middle school. Um speaking of online trends, this I thought was kind of interesting too. Uh have you have you ever found yourself in an imagination ship? This is a new word, a new trend to describe a romantic connection that's basically in your head, a romantic connection you have with someone you are connected with online that is basically all in your head. Uh, the imagination ship tag has 13.9 million views. This is... Uh, somebody posted about this uh, phenomenon on TikTok, and it has 13.9 million views. So apparently this resonates with a lot of people. Uh, they describe the disappointing contrast between fantasy and reality. Uh, when you're trying to figure out how to respond to a message posted by your favorite imagination ship, because you like, keep, you like it when his his name or her name and her posts keep popping up in your feed. You ever find yourself interacting with someone just so that their posts will keep showing up in your feed? One user commenting, leaving the 
real life man. Uh, one one user commented a recommendation to leave the real life man behind and continue dating him in your head. Continue dating the him in your head. I just thought that was that was kind of an imagination. Imagination ships. It is a thing. You have an imagination ship online. <laughs> and is that cheating? Uh, if you have an imagination ship, although they're quick to point out, it doesn't have to be romantically inclined. I mean, you don't have to be fantasizing and it, it really is not a relationship because the other person has no idea that this is going on. It's all in your head. And who knows, you may be the imagination ship of one of your friends. Think about that. But, uh, would you consider that cheating if you have this fantasy relationship this imagination ship with somebody in your uh, in your feed that's, that's kind of interesting there oh the tangled web we weave all of the uh, things that social media has created that we now have to think about and speaking of uh, online communication you know how many people use emoji to convey emotions in written correspondence primarily over the internet, but it started to creep into other forms of communication as well. Uh, scientists out of the University of Tokyo, though, report that a lot of us actually do the opposite. Well, previous studies have looked into how we use emoji, for example, which ones make you look unprofessional or what uh, the emoji is really conveying. Uh, this examination of nearly 1,300 people in the University of Tokyo got into the why we, we use emoji. And what they found was that just like in real life, we often use emoji to mask what we are really feeling. Have you ever smiled when you unwrapped a gift at Christmas that you didn't really like? Have you ever put on a, a smiley face even though you were disappointed? We apparently we do that in our written communications with emoji as well. Uh, researchers said managing emotional expressions in light of societal norms often means that the intensity of emotional expressions does not reflect the actual intensity of the experienced emotions. In other words, we are smiling when we're not really happy. We're masking our true emotions through our emoji. As online socializing becomes more prevalent, they say people have become accustomed to embellishing their expressions and scrutinizing the appropriateness of their communication. While that may be fine for keeping up appearances and not ruffling the feathers of others, it may lead us to lose touch with our authentic emotions. So just like in real life, researchers uh, explain their, uh, their findings published in the Journal of Frontiers in Psychology. So... And they say, just like in real life, the constant need to put a smile, or in this case, a smiley face icon, may lead to emotional exhaustion. Because it's exhausting to be constantly smiling. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Think about that the way you use emoji if you have ever tried to hide your true emoji, emotion through an emoji. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Snow showers today, possibly mixed with some rain, a high of 35, a chance of a snow shower tonight, a low of 25. 
Former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and former Ohio Republican Party Chair Matt Borges were convicted in what federal prosecutors have called the biggest corruption case in Ohio history. Prosecutors alleged Householder orchestrated a scheme secretly funded by Akron-based First Energy Corporation to secure his power in the legislature and elect his allies, and then to pass and defend a $1 billion nuclear power plant bailout benefiting the energy utility. They allege Borges, then a lobbyist, sought to bribe an operative for inside information on the referendum to overturn the bailout. They each face up to 20 years in prison. Kate Burdett, ONN News. Garner Trucking of Finley was recognized on stage at the Truckload Carriers Association annual convention in Orlando as a Best Fleets to Drive for Hall of Fame inductee. Two carriers across the country were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Finley, Ohio's Garner Trucking was one of them. So I'm proud of this team of Garner drivers, staff, technicians, Garner Trucking President and CEO Sherry Garner Brumboss as they also unveiled the Garner Trucking NASCAR Cup Series number no. 7 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet driven by Corey LaJoy. See pictures and get more of our conversation with Sherry on our website. School choice is a big topic and how public funds are used when it comes to your children's education. Ohio offers vouchers for kids in certain districts, but a new proposal would make kids in grades K through 12 eligible for state money to go to a non-public or home school. It would cost the state about a billion dollars each year, a price tag that's causing some division right now. House Bill 11, otherwise known as the Pack Pack Bill, is currently in committee. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. The Hancock County Health District Advisory Council met at Hancock Public Health in Findlay for their annual meeting. 29 members of the Hancock County Health District assembled to review the 2022 Hancock Public Health Annual Report, appoint members to the Hancock County Board of Health, and discuss topics within the Health District. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, of course, this week marked International Women's Day. Earlier this week, part of uh, Women's History Month, a global day to celebrate the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women and to recognize the fact that there is still more to be done in terms of equity for women in really all of these uh, fields. Deb Bolkus is a former Fortune 500 executive and entrepreneur. She has a message that she wants all women to hear. We are our own best resource in closing the equity gap, she says. Her new book is called Strong Suit, Leadership Success Secrets from Women on Top. And Deb, having read some of the excerpts, and I haven't read the entire book, it seems like your biggest Gripe, your biggest concern, I should say, is that this new generation of women often don't have an understanding, a tribal knowledge, as you call it, of what previous generations have gone through, and they're not leveraging that to their advantage. Well, I would say that is certainly part of the challenge. The other challenge is stepping into our own best self and uh, believing in ourselves. So how should this next generation that you hope will stand on the sh- uh, on your shoulders and, and break even more glass ceilings, how should this next generation do that? Well, I would say one of the first things to do is figure out what is it that really makes you who you are? What are your strong suits, as the title of my book represents? Mm-hmm. It is finding out what you love to do and what you're naturally great at, and it, it gives you energy rather than zaps your energy when you're at work. 
So if you have a job that you're not loving and you're kind of just getting through the day, it's time to have a heart to heart with yourself and or with your manager and figure out what needs to change so that I'm doing something that gives me energy and I am a great person to be around so I can also inspire other people. One of the things that I think is interesting, uh, kind of a point that you make, is that it may not necessarily be that you are in the wrong career or the wrong field or the wrong job or what have you. Uh, it, it may be just that you're not getting the most out of it that you could. Oh, that's absolutely true. I can tell you, having worked in uh, Fortune 100 companies for a long time, the nice thing about working in a, in a large company is you have lots of opportunities to do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And so it's often finding that maybe you need to tweak some things in the job that you have. Again, if there are some things that you do that zap your strengths, those are probably not your strong suits. And so figure out how could you potentially revamp what you do, your job description, how you fit into the organization, because it could be that there are also other people you're working with who are doing things that maybe you're not good at, but they would be great at. Yeah. And you might be great at doing some things that that they're not loving what they're doing. And so sometimes it's just rearranging your job description within your own organization. And sometimes it's making a move to another organization. Sure. And, you know, it may ultimately be that. But the reason I bring that up is because I can hear some people say, you know, is this another uh, guidebook or another more advice for uh, getting into a new career or starting over? And I'm not sure that I want to do that. Like you said, it's not necessarily... Uh, that that's not necessarily what you would have to do. No, it's it's not necessarily that drastic. Now, for yeah. some people, it could be. Mm-hmm. But it's often really tweaking it, and it's also a lot about your attitude. You know, sometimes it's, uh, are you believing in yourself? Are you going in with a good attitude every day thinking, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can find a better way to do this. I can do this in my own way, not trying to fit into a job that maybe I've just taken over, that I thought somebody else was really great at doing that, and I can't do it the way they did. Mm -hmm. Well, you need to do it your way. And a lot of us fall into that hole when we take over somebody else's role. We think we have to wear their shoes rather than ours. Yeah, and uh, not just women, by the way. (laughs) Men often struggle with that (laughs) same same thing. But uh, And this is not just uh, advice and guidance from your own experience, but also you interviewed uh, extensively a number of other uh, very successful women executives for the book. Are there some uh, uh, insights or some uh, pieces that were uh, almost universal across the board that that really stood out for you? Oh, there's so many things that stand out and and truly are universal. Um, I would say one of them, again, is just understanding that a great culture, having a great environment really starts with you and you being happy yourself, mm-hmm. you know, finding that thing that really drives you, as we've just already said. Another thing, if you're a manager, so I, I'm not sure who all the audience is, but right. if you are leading other people, your job is to get the roadblocks out of the way for the people reporting to you. So many of us, when we move from being a uh, individual contributor into a management position, we believe we got that job because we were so great at what we did. And we tend to continue doing that 
old job as the individual contributor and hanging on to pieces of those jobs rather than delegate them on to other people and developing your people. So the important thing for those who have moved newly into management is to learn that your best resource, and whether you're a new manager or a longtime manager, mm-hmm. top of the company, or aspire to your be best a manager. resource, or aspire to be any of those things at yeah. any level, is to help other people be the best they can be. And as a manager, like I said, your job is to get the roadblocks out of their way and help them figure out what are their strong suits Mm -hmm. so that they're aligned and doing those things that are going to give them energy. So they go home excited and loving the job at the end of the day. Yeah, that was, that was one of of the points that really stood out to me. There was one of the other ones that I thought was really interesting uh, that I asked you to expand on. Uh, You talk about the fact that uh, executive and emotionless are not synonyms. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I used to run a leadership development firm and we'd had peer-to-peer mentoring programs for women at different levels of the management career ladder. And what we found was our CEO group had this idea that they had to have strong, stern, you know, I'm never going to let my emotions leak out so people know how I feel. And the reality is, you have to be authentic for people to trust you. And if, if people don't trust you, if they don't feel like you're telling them the truth and they can read you, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. But also, the more you are authentically you, just be who you are. It doesn't mean you have to wear your emotions on your sleeve, but you can be likable. And in fact, you need to be likable. Mm-hmm. For people to relate to you and trust you. Yeah, one of the other uh, things that jumped out of uh, out at me is uh, almost a uh, a validation of one of those old school rules that it seems like we uh, we think shouldn't matter anymore, or we we fight back, and that that appearance matters, and <laughs> even in this day and age. That is still true. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe we wouldn't want it to, but it still does. Yes. The reality is every single one of us is biased. Every one of us. Even if you don't want to be, we are. And we all make snap judgments about people as soon as we see them. And so that is something to always keep in mind, whether you like it or not, the first time somebody sees you, it only takes second, seven seconds for them to make a judgment about you. And it's based on how you look. Mm-hmm. It's before you've even said anything. So think about when you're out in the community, when, when, when you're going to a job interview, when you're going anywhere for the first time, even if you're flying on an airplane, how are you representing yourself? And if you are working for a company or an organization, how are you representing that organization? Yeah. So always keep that in the front of your mind and dress appropriately. And for myself, I, I learned long ago, I just, I tend to dress up. I try to dress the part that mm-hmm. I want to have. What's that future role? What are the people dressed like that are in those roles? And you know, kind of present yourself accordingly. It's not to say be somebody you're not. But yeah. be who you really want to be and yeah. present that image. Because if you if you look like you are that person out there, higher up the ladder, 
they'll immediately think you are. Yeah. Uh, One of the most critical questions that you answer in the book, and again, as it relates especially to International Women's Day and and, and so on, this is a, a question that women have been asking for years. Is it really possible to have it all? And you say yes, if. If you decide not to have children, you can focus all of your intention on your career. But you know what? We have one life. We don't have two different lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us want to have a family. And we want to have a great career. And I can say, I did and I have. And I've had a great career and a great family. But you can't do everything on your own. And God bless single moms, because there is nothing more challenging in the world than managing your career and managing getting children up in the morning and feeding the little ones and getting them to school and being home or having somebody take care of them when they're sick. It's just not possible to do everything. So it's really helpful to have help, whether that's a wonderful partner, your husband, your live-in best friend, your mom, uh, mother-in-law, a neighbor next door, whoever it is, you need help. And as long as you realize that up front and you plan that into your career plan, your career plan, it will work. Again, uh, Deb Bolkus is author of Strong Suit, Leadership Success Secrets from Women on Top. Really is a, a fascinating book, and uh, we encourage folks to uh, pick it up. Deb, do you have a website where folks can learn more about it? I do. It's Business World Rising. Deb Bolkus, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. An apology and a pledge to clean up the mess, regardless of the cost, from the CEO of Norfolk Southern during a Senate hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday in the wake of that toxic train derailment in East Palestine and a number of other recent incidents for the railway operator. Ohio's two senators, Sherrod Brown and J.D. Vance, have together introduced legislation aimed at addressing addressing railway safety concerns. And before yesterday's hearing, uh, we spoke with Senator Brown about that measure. The Railway Safety Act has received bipartisan support in principle. Everyone agrees that this has to be addressed in some way. But there has been some pushback in the lack of defined specifics in the bill itself. Instead, it would leave many of the details up to the Department of Transportation, and many Republicans are opposed to the idea of giving additional rulemaking authority to the DOT. So we asked Senator Brown whether he would be comfortable delaying this legislation in order to flesh out some of those specifics to placate those concerns, or if expediency of action is the more important consideration. Well, I think that we move forward. We we do it thoroughly. We uh, have continue to have discussions. Um, Senator Vance and I, it was a thoughtful approach. We heard the same problems in East Palestine, and as we talked to railroads and and talked to railroad unions, a worker was killed yesterday or the two days ago in Norfolk Southern, a conductor. Um, for we you know, we want to we want to know more about that, but um, it's time to move on this. The railroads have had far too much political power. The railroad lobbyists want us to wait. The executives who pay themselves huge stock buybacks and then 
than, frankly, compromise on safety. They want us to wait. So we're not going to rush it through, but we're going to move forward. It's bipartisan. We have at least four Republican, three Republican sponsors, at least three Democratic sponsors. Um, we are very specific in this bill about notification when hazmat, when hazardous materials come into the state, notifying the state and notifying uh, local firefighter officials. Um, we're very specific about what we do with uh, with uh, uh, with fines, the average fine to the railroads has been ten thousand dollars, and multi-billion-dollar companies—that's less than pennies on the dollar. Um, we're going to move forward on wheel bearings; they cause most of the accidents. Um, we know what to do here. Um, we've we've talked, Vance, J.D. Vance, and I, the new Republican senator from Ohio. I'm the Democratic senator. We not a lot of bipartisan delegations in the Senate and not a lot of bipartisan cooperation. We've done it. We're moving forward. Obviously, the emphasis is on making sure there is not a repeat of what we saw in East Palestine. But have you been satisfied with the cleanup effort uh, after that accident? How would you characterize Norfolk Southern's response? Well, Norfolk Southern has said the right things. Of course they have. Um, we'll see when they testify today, when J.D. Vance and I and Bob Casey from Pennsylvania, which is just miles from the, the derailment, um, when we testify, um, we will, you know, we will talk about all of that. But um, when we, we want to hear the railroad CEO make these public commitments because the people in, in, in East Palestine are frustrated, but many are, are just angry as they should be that this railroad pays itself huge stock buybacks, cuts back on safety. They laid off a third of their workers over the last 10 years, actually more than a third, 38%. Uh, and when you lay off workers, that means fewer inspections or less time to do accurate, thorough inspections. So people are angry, and they should be. And I, I, I'm, I'm angry and frustrated on their behalf, and will continue to push the railroad to do what it says to make the promises and the commitments and to do what they say, including two, three years out if residents develop illnesses from breathing these toxins. Uh, real quickly, I want to do. You want to ask you about this because, as you mentioned, this rail le- legislation we're talking about, you uh, worked on with your new counterpart uh, in the Senate from the state of Ohio. I'm curious your impression of J.D. Vance, uh, given that he is a political newcomer. Whether you believe that you'll be able to work with him across the aisle in the future. Oh, there's a tradition in Ohio of working bipartisan, really working together. I worked with George Moinovich in four years that he was here overlapping with me. I worked with Rob Portman for 12 years. I'm not going to take the time on this show, but I could list a dozen things we did together. J.D. Vance has been here for two months. He and I met yesterday to talk face-to-face about this. Um, and um, we already are working together bipartisanly, so I assume this tradition will continue, and it will always be to the benefit of the state. Again, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown with us this morning. Senator, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, Chris, for sure. Thanks. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. If you are going out this weekend, hitting the town, uh, let this be a cautionary tale to you. A Florida man has learned the hard way why you really should not bring home strange women you just met at a bar. (laughs) Unnamed man from Pompano Beach uh, brought home two women that he met at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida, and they treated themselves to the five-finger discount of all of his valuables. (laughs) It is not known how the women got away with stealing all of his things, but I can imagine. 
<laughs> the uh, victim's doorbell camera captured the ladies making a hasty exit. Another security camera recorded one of the women experiencing quite the wardrobe malfunction as she appears to run barefoot down the street. Uh, sur- <laughs> surveillance video of the December 18th incident was released by the Broward County Sheriff's Office in hopes of identifying the bandits. According to the police, the women are wanted for uh, theft of watches, uh, expensive sneakers, even a gun they uh, they stole. So... Uh, <laughs> still on the loose and he has learned a valuable lesson yeah don't bring home women you just happen to pick up in a bar that's probably not the best idea (laughs) uh this is all kinds of weird out of the state of kentucky Uh, according to the kenton county attorney's office eric dieters has pleaded guilty to charges related to Number one, chasing his nephew down in a truck back in October. He chased his nephew down in a truck Uh, back in October. He also pleaded guilty to charges of sending harassing messages to his sister-in-law following the original incident with his nephew. Uh, Mr. Dieters was sentenced to 270 days in jail, which the court conditionally discharged for the next two years. Um, they have placed him on probation. They're going to be watching very closely. Oh, I should mention. And what makes this story really weird is that, uh, Mr. Dieters is a candidate for governor of Kentucky. <laughs> he, is, he is a candidate for governor. And he says this will not affect his run for office. <laughs> I have a feeling it may impact his run for governor. You know what I mean? I have a feeling that in the minds of some voters, That may impact his run for governor. He may not think so, but I think it will. Uh, Let's see here. Man from uh, just south of Pittsburgh is accused of trying to blow up his own home this week. Ricky Bain Ringer Jr. poured gasoline into the toilet inside of his place and tried to light it on fire. A witness says he later saw the suspect running into the home while carrying a burning object. Uh, When the witness tried to stop Mr. Ringer, police say the suspect chased the man and others while threatening them with a hammer. Suspect was later arrested. (laughs) No, no reason. No reason was given. No motive was given why he wanted to blow up his own home. But there you go. It's weird. Just a slow day. (laughs) Bored, looking for something to do, I guess. From the international file, I love this. Um, (laughs) In Latvia, they have a new new way of dealing with drunk drivers. They, (laughs) They will confiscate your car and send it to Ukraine to help in the war effort. Wow. <laughs> That's some serious stuff right there. The first delivery of cars seized from drunk drivers in Latvia arrived in Ukraine this week. By the way, Latvia has the highest rate of drunk driving in all of Europe, and authorities seized 200 vehicles from wasted drivers during January and February alone. 
The government has not been able to auction off the seized cars fast enough, so it is sending them to Ukraine uh, for, I mean, they need them for not just the military, for hospitals and, and things like that. People need vehicles. And they said, we've got all of these vehicles we can't get rid of. Send them to Ukraine. Wow, that is some serious stuff right there. You get caught driving under the influence, they'll seize your car and send it to Ukraine. (laughs) Man, I love it, though. That's great. (laughs) Let's see. Um, (laughs) Easter is coming up, and it's a time for all kinds of sweet treats and confectionaries. Shoppers at Aldi, however, have discovered that the Easter Bunny marshmallows that are being sold by the chain uh, don't look like Easter bunnies. They look like something else very different. (laughs) They look like certain parts of the male anatomy. The uh, bunnies and chicks candies are yellow, pink, and uh, very unfortunately shaped. <laughs> this this has gone viral on Twitter uh, with one user uh, posting a photo saying, "Sorry, Aldi, but that ain't a bunny." <laughs> um, other commenters uh, asked asked how they taste, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, somebody said, oh, they misspelled chicks <clears throat> on the packaging. The uh, chain actually acknowledges <laughs> the issue saying, uh, replying to the now viral post, uh, we can't even defend this one. This is <laughs> unfortunately, it appears uh, these um, unfortunately shaped bunnies are only being sold in the UK. So I don't know. We have them on this side of the pond, but if you haven't seen it, you got to look it up and you can see the uh, confusion. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is strike a blow for free speech. A Canadian judge has ruled that giving someone the finger cannot be considered a crime because it is a God given right. That's right. We have the God-given right to flip someone off. Judge Dennis Galatianos of uh, Quebec made his ruling in in a dispute between two neighbors. Neil Epstein was allegedly arrested after flashing the bird at his neighbor. He was charged with criminal harassment. But the judge acquitted Mr. Epstein, saying that flipping the proverbial bird is a God-given charter-enshrined right that belongs to every red-blooded Canadian. (laughs) He also berated the neighbor for calling the police, saying such an action should not prompt a call to 911. I gotta agree. I mean, that does seem like a a rather minor reason to call 911. And it is a God-given right to flip someone the bird. Uh, Thank goodness that is settled. Now, there you go. That is uh, today's broken news. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you 
to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Findlay Rotarian is all about? I'm Alyssa Preston, director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I am proud to be a Findlay Rotarian because locally we make an impact by recognizing amazing educators in the Findlay and Hancock County area through the Golden Apple Award. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at FindlayRotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Younger people today, Generation Z, those adults between the ages of 15 and 25, sure do like to treat themselves. A new survey of 2,000 Gen Zers find that on average they spend $800 treating themselves annually. 37% justify spa treatments, makeup and jewelry as self-care. 26% will treat themselves if they are having a bad day. They go out and just spend money on themselves to make them feel better. Um, By comparison, those ages 55 to 64 treat themselves the least. They spend about $350 on themselves per year by their own estimation. And overall, 17% say that they feel like they don't treat themselves enough. And maybe it's because they are feeling bad about themselves. In a separate survey of Gen Zers, 38% admit that they would keep quiet about mental health issues and choose to suffer in silence instead. 34% would not open up about debt problems that they are experiencing. 24% would not talk about struggles to find a job. This poll of 1,000 people found that the younger generation still feels stigma surrounding mental health, abuse, homelessness, and unemployment. And those who do not reach out say they don't reach out because they don't want to feel like a burden or they don't want to be judged. So maybe that's one of the reasons why they're out there spending so much money treating themselves to make up for that in some way. Just thought that was kind of interesting, those two surveys uh, juxtaposed against each other. And now my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio this morning, in the home studio this morning, because, you know, there's snow on the ground. I ain't going out in this crap. Nope, nope. nope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going outside if I don't have to. And I don't have to. Yeah, this fancy studio here. Uh, just hunkered down in the bunker yeah. today. Yep. <laughs> Bud's on the tree and it's snowing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, we have uh, another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. More uh, Lenten-themed recipes because, yes. uh, again, no meat uh, right. here. And also <laughs> uh, a couple of uh, Irish-themed yeah. recipes. Um, St. Patrick's Day is coming up next week, and we will not be here next week. Right. Uh, it'll be a yeah. short week for us. Uh, My for husband's me. leaving me. Yeah, uh, a <laughs> short week for me uh, next week. I'm actually going to be in Florida for uh, St. Patrick's Day, so he, no He's not taking no program. me. <laughs> no, very, well, it's a long story. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, the recipes today, uh, we have, first of all, some fish stick 
po' boy sandwiches. Yes. And these are really good. They are. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's I know easy. fish sticks are typically things that you think of, of feeding a five-year-old. Yeah. But uh, this is kind of a twist, yeah. kind of a grown-up twist on the fish sticks. Fish sticks. And so. we use fish sticks because they're easy. Yeah. 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 So one box of your uh, favorite fish sticks, uh, seafood seasoning uh, to taste. Your sauce is a half a cup of mayonnaise, two tablespoons of horseradish sauce, a half a teaspoon of garlic powder, one tablespoon of lemon juice, one teaspoon of sweet relish, a quarter teaspoon of seafood seasoning, and then four hoagie, hoagie rolls, your butter uh, first softened and cheddar cheese shredded. Um, so in a small bowl, mix together your sauce ingredients, uh, set that aside. Um, you can put it in the refrigerator. Uh, yeah. fish, sticks, fish sticks don't take too long, so it's right, not so, that big of a deal. Right. But Yep. Then prepare your fish sticks according to the directions on the box. After the fish sticks are done, remove from the oven. Um, seasoning with some seafood uh, seasoning and keep them warm. So then butter the inside of your hoagie buns. Place them on a baking sheet, butter side down. Put in the oven... Um, uh, I'm sorry, butter side up. Uh, put in your oven, broil until golden brown, just a few minutes. Um, and when you're broiling, uh, really got to keep an eye on it. I kind of keep my oven open um, so I can keep an eye on it. Because yeah. broiling, it does not broiling take long and, at all. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Yeah. Then uh, layer with your cheese, your fish sticks, and your sauce, and enjoy. So you put the uh, po'boys together. I yes. would recommend uh, the uh, fish sticks because uh, a lot of the fish sticks are minced fish. Right. But they do have uh, full filet fish yeah. sticks Gordon. now. Uh, yeah, I think Gorton's does yeah. those, and yeah. uh, there are probably others as well. But the, especially the full filet yeah. mi- uh, fish sticks would be yeah. very, very good. But yeah. the fish stick po'boy sandwich, it's really easy. Yeah. And... Uh, it is uh, really very good. Yeah, very yep. yummy. Yep. Uh, we also have a recipe for Irish soda bread. Yes. So for the bread, it's four cups all-purpose flour, a quarter cup of white sugar, one tablespoon of baking powder, one teaspoon of baking soda, a half a teaspoon of salt, one cup of buttermilk, a half a cup of buttered softened, and an egg. And then you've got uh, for your basting while your bread is baking. Um, you'll want to prepare this before you put your um, bread in the oven. Okay. Quarter cup butter melted and a quarter cup of buttermilk. So pre or oven to 375 degrees and spray a large cookie sheet with nonstick spray. Add the flour, sugar, baking powder, baking soda, and salt to a mixing bowl and stir until it's combined. Add the buttermilk, softened butter, and egg to the mixture and mix well. Um you can use an electric mixer, or yeah. if you have your um, KitchenAid with the hook, you're with the dough hook. Oh, okay. That's really nice, too. Okay. Um, and then um, uh, mix that all together uh, using your hands to knead it, then shape it into a large bowl, flattened slightly, then place the dough on the prepared baking sheet using a sharp knife cut like an X in the middle that kind of helps it. Uh, when it rises and mm-hmm. it splits yeah. and it gets it nice and yummy mm-hmm. and crusty. Yeah. Um, and then stir together the melted butter and the buttermilk. Brush over the outside of the loaf, baking in the oven for 60 to 70 minutes or until, uh, until your toothpick 
comes out clean or right. your thumb test. Mm-hmm. But uh, brush the loaf with your butter mixture every 15 minutes okay. while it's baking. Okay. And that's, So this is not a walk away and forget about no, it kind of recipe. No. You so have set to watch your it. timer yeah. every 15 minutes. Keep Go track. Go in and base that. Yeah, base mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. And then and then uh, bring it out and mm. enjoy. Yummy stuff. We may have to make that uh, this mm. afternoon. Yes. That'd be a good uh, cold weather recipe yes. right there. Uh, you know, for those snowy St. Patrick's days. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then also, again, to uh, warm you up on a cold day like today. Yes. A uh, recipe for a traditional Irish coffee. Yes, I love Irish coffee. <laughs> I like going down to Logan's and getting Irish coffee. <laughs> so uh, three-fourths cup of strong coffee, two teaspoons of brown sugar, two tablespoons of Irish whiskey. That's what makes it the Irish coffee yes, right there. Yes, yes. And whipped cream for the garnishment. So pour your hot coffee into a coffee glass or mug. Add your brown sugar. Stir until the brown sugar is completely dissolved. Pour in your Irish uh, whiskey. Uh, stir that until it's mixed in. Uh, then gently pour your cream. So when you're doing your whipped cream, put it on the bottom of your spoon, not the top of your spoon, and then gently slide it onto the top, and then your whipped cream won't dissolve just like that. Uh It kind of stays on top. And then you can... uh, Sprinkle it with some espresso or or whatever you know. Make it pretty. Sprinkle and, that with more of the brown sugar. Yeah, and, brown sugar. Yeah. Any of those things, and and enjoy. It's not so much a recipe as it is a, a drink mix. Yes, <laughs> it's a good drink mix. But it's though. a good one. It's a good uh, one. So there you go. The uh, fish stick po' boy sandwiches, the Irish soda bread, and the traditional Irish coffee recipe. We've got those posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook, where you can get all of uh, Kyra's recipes that we have uh, each week. And you can interact. Uh, If there's something you want to share, you've got a favorite recipe you want to share, or you want to comment maybe you uh, did something different with one of these recipes yeah. or something like that you can uh, yeah share one of that. the other things I thought with the uh, with the uh, fish sticks po boys is you could uh, make like your homemade coleslaw or if you have some coleslaw and, okay and put that on yeah top of there yeah. yeah maybe so maybe instead of the the sauce or uh, no I, I guess would do you could both. do I guess you could do both. Yeah, sure. You could do both. Depending Why on not? how your coleslaw yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, whatever you, yeah. if you want to spice that up or, yeah. or you know, that, tweak it a little my, bit. Uh, for my, um, for my sauce, for my, my horseradish, for the sweet relish, mm-hmm. I had some of the uh, sweet uh, Tony Paco pickles. And so Ooh. I chopped those up okay. and put those in mine there instead of sweet relish. So Because I love of, Tony Paco pickles. All kinds of ways to uh, uh, play <laughs> yeah, with that a little bit. So if you want to share one of those yeah. uh, special hacks or whatever, uh, you can share that on I the uh, Facebook hacks. page. If you want to <laughs> uh, share your favorite recipe or if there's something you're looking for, by all means, reach out. Again, the uh, Kairos Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN, and we also have a link uh, posted at uh, goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday for National Nutrition Month in March, the Hancock County OSU Extension has tips on fueling for the future. Fueling our bodies, that is. Plus, we get a preview of the 47th annual Silver Blades Ice Classics show. 
So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day and a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.